Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, September 21st. In today's news, President Trump authorizes the use of cyber weapons ahead of the midterms. Ben Carson has hired several people with no housing experience to run the housing department. And congressional Republicans are increasingly making clear to Trump he'll never get the money for his border wall. But first, the big idea. An attorney for Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who has accused Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her when they were teenagers, said that her appearing at a hearing next Monday to detail her claims is not possible, but that she could testify later in the week. The offer on the table is for Thursday. Negotiations are ongoing. The chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chuck Grassley, the Iowa Republican, said late Thursday that he's consulting with his colleagues on how best to proceed. Kavanaugh wrote to Grassley in a letter released by the White House that he looks forward to testifying either way. A person familiar with the discussions tells us that Kavanaugh and his allies have been privately discussing a possible defense that wouldn't question whether an incident involving Ford happened, but would try to raise doubts that the attacker was Kavanaugh. Earlier this week, Kavanaugh told Republican Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah, one of his most fervent supporters, that Ford has the wrong perpetrator in mind because he didn't go to parties like the one she described. Ed Whelan, a close friend of Kavanaugh, who has helped him prepare for the confirmation hearings and who worked with him in the Bush White House, posted a series of incendiary tweets late Thursday night that publicly identified another high school classmate of Kavanaugh's as Ford's possible real attacker. But Ford flatly dismissed Whelan's theory in a statement to the Post. She says she knew both men and socialized with the other classmate. Ford said she even once visited him in the hospital and said, quote, there is zero chance that I would confuse them. In light of this backlash, Republicans on Capitol Hill and White House officials sought to distance themselves from Whelan's claims and said they weren't aware in advance of his plans to identify the former classmate, who's now a middle school teacher and couldn't be reached for comment. In its 202-year history, not a single Republican woman has ever been given a seat on the powerful Senate Judiciary Committee. Four of the 10 Democrats, including the ranking member, are women. The 11 Republican men on the committee are very nervous about being seen live on national TV, trying to poke holes in Professor Ford's story or credibility. Eager not to be perceived as bullies, these men have decided they don't want to get their hands dirty. So they're trying to temporarily hire a female lawyer from the outside who could question Ford, according to several GOP sources. The hope is that this would spare them the kind of embarrassment that continues to sully the legacy of several senators who roughly examined Anita Hill back in 1991 when she accused Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment. Late Thursday afternoon, Republicans and Democrats who work on the Judiciary Committee spoke on the phone with Deborah Katz, the lawyer for Ford. They were trying to negotiate what a hearing would look like. The first concern Katz raised on the call was the issue of her client's security. She asked what the protocol is for ensuring that she's safe. The roughly 45-minute conversation also touched on the scope of the questions, and Katz raised concerns about the potential of an outside counsel coming into question Ford. She argued that this scenario would make it feel too much like a trial. Ford also doesn't want Kavanaugh in the hearing room when she testifies and requested that he speak first and she go second. Katz also raised the possibility of a subpoena for Mark Judge, the person who's alleged to have been in the room at the party. He says he doesn't remember anything. But Republicans dismissed several of these requests out of hand. They said that Ford must testify first so Kavanaugh can respond to her. 
And GOP officials reiterated last night that they will not support allowing the FBI to investigate what happened, and they will not issue any subpoenas to try to get to the bottom of this. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, National Security Advisor John Bolton said Trump has authorized offensive cyber operations against foreign adversaries. This is part of the president's new policy seeking to ease rules on the use of digital weapons ahead of the November elections. Bolton unveiled this as part of a broader new national cyber strategy on Thursday. He did not elaborate on the nature of the offensive operations, how significant they will be, or what specific malign behavior they're intended to counter. Bolton's remarks are consistent with the Trump administration's more aggressive posture towards cyber deterrence generally compared to that of his predecessors, especially Barack Obama. Bolton cast the latest move as part of an effort to, quote, create structures of deterrence that will demonstrate to adversaries that the cost of their engaging in operations against us is higher than they want to bear. In general, the president's directive frees the military to engage in actions that fall below the use of force or a level that would cause death, destruction, or significant economic impacts, but without a lengthy approval process. Number two, under the leadership of Secretary Ben Carson, the Department of Housing and Urban Development has awarded promotions and pay raises to five political operatives with no housing policy experience within their first five months on the job. This demonstrates that loyalty is prioritized over expertise in this administration. And it resulted in annual salaries between $98,000 and $155,000 for the five appointees, all of whom either worked for Trump's or Carson's presidential campaigns. Three of them did not list bachelor's degrees on their resumes. The political hires were among at least 24 people without evident housing policy experience who were appointed to the top-paying political positions at HUD, an agency that's charged with serving the poorest Americans. This accounts for a third of the 70 HUD appointees at the upper ranks of the federal government. According to interviews with 16 current and former career staff members, the limited experience at the upper reaches of an agency injects confusion into the rollout of policy initiatives and brings delay to even routine functions. Ron Ashford, who retired earlier this year as director of HUD's Public Housing Supportive Service Program, tells us that this administration is different from others, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, because the people coming in really just don't know the issues at all. As a direct result, he said, quote, they're pursuing initiatives that aren't grounded in reality. Number three, Trump continued to renew demands for his border wall, hinting again on Thursday that he might shut down the federal government next week if he doesn't get money for it. This comes as more and more congressional Republicans are breaking with the president on one of his highest profile campaign promises. The same Republican lawmakers who rushed through the tax bill Trump wanted, confirmed his first Supreme Court pick, and are now fighting to defend the second, have taken a far different approach when it comes to immigration deeming the border wall to be impractical, unrealistic, and too costly. Senator John Cornyn, the number two in GOP leadership who represents the border state of Texas, said a system of technology, infrastructure, and personnel is preferable to a physical wall because, quote, people can climb over the wall or go under the wall or through the wall. We've seen that happen repeatedly, in fact. Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Richard Shelby, who's very powerful, a Republican from Alabama, said he told Trump that funding a 2,000-mile-long wall could jeopardize money for the military and other programs. Shelby said he told Trump, quote, some things are reachable and some things aren't. I'm committed to securing the borders, but I'm also committed to funding the government. The congressional GOP's recalcitrance on the wall underscores the extent to which these issues continue to roil the GOP even after Trump's takeover. Border state lawmakers face concerns from landowners and businesses that could face disruption from the construction. Behind all the rationalizing lies a hardening reality. Many congressional Republicans just 
aren't that into the wall. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, September 21st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Hope you have a good weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you.